My name is Chris Heidenberg. I'm the lead pastor of Found Church. If after the service you're wondering where you can find the current series in its entirety, you can find it online at areyoufound.com or on our Found Church Facebook page. We welcome you into our family and we look forward to the opportunity to connect with you. We would love to see you or, or meet you as soon as we're able to worship together again, hopefully sometime soon, at the middle school at Parkside at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. In the meantime, we pray that this worship experience will help you to find faith in God, find freedom for your soul, and find a love that will transform your life. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, everyone. So glad to have you with us here as we, as we work to actually close the, the series, Therefore. Before we get to that, there's just a couple of quick announcements that I just want to put in front of you. Uh, the first is, even though I've made mention that we were going to be able to worship again at the middle school at Parkside, beginning next week on July 19th, uh, because of the, the latest executive order uh, by the governor, that's not going to be an option for us. The school said that we're not able to, uh, they're not able to lease that space to outside entities during this time. Um, but just so you know, we are actively working on some really creative, and I believe in my mind, exciting opportunities and so be looking for those. We just want to iron out the details before, I, before I, I guess, tell you exactly what they are right now. So just be looking for the details. Um, most likely, it pushes our live worship back to the first week in August. Um, but again, we will be making note. As soon as we know something and can iron out all the details, we'll make that uh, public on our Facebook page for sure, and our newsletter as well. The second uh, message that I want to put in front of you is <clears throat> we, we have been working on, honestly, three new series of messages um, for the next few months. But to be quite honest with you, and by no means is this bragging, I just really am excited about these next series. Uh, they're in my mind they're too good to to waste on virtual and so we're gonna we're gonna wait until we're actually able to to be worshiping live again for these next three different series uh, we want to wait until they can have the most impact that they possibly can so in the meantime doesn't mean that uh, what we're gonna do as a filler in the meantime is any less exciting but um but it's something that I believe God just put on my heart very recently. And so we're, I felt like the Holy Spirit kind of gave an audible in this moment for us. Uh, but it's going to require your help. Um, as I was thinking about how to close this series, therefore, I was thinking, um, are there any questions that you guys still have remaining that, that I haven't answered? Which led me to the next line of thinking generally speaking, I think we all have questions. I think, I think it's important that, um, 
that we ask those questions. I think it's important that we know that we can ask those questions. Uh, sometimes we just find ourselves in an environment or in a situation and we just kind of try to feel it out and hope that we can put all the pieces together. But sometimes those pieces don't come together for us. And so we're going to do a, a short-term series, and yet it's also going to be a, an overarching long-term series, and we're going to call it just simply questions. And the part that we want you to play is we want you to submit some of those questions. What, why does God do this? Why is it so important that we play this part? What is the role of the Holy Spirit? It's questions like that, that that maybe you've never answered or had answered, but you've always wondered. And so um, you, can, you can submit those questions uh, publicly on our Found Church Facebook community group, or you can post those questions um, so that nobody else has to see them, you can just email us at areyoufound.com. But we need you to submit questions. And by the way, I don't have to remind you that the very next uh, message that we're going to preach on is going to have to do with one of these questions. So don't delay. We need you to submit those. So, um, And I appreciate that. It's going to be fun. We're going to look at different creative ways to answer those questions and some of those questions are going to actually become preaching messages. Some of those questions we'll answer throughout the week on Facebook. Some of those questions we'll answer to you personally. So um, feel free to let us, let us have them. Just bring them, bring them to us, and I thank you for that. It's going to be exciting. So um, before we get started, I just want to open us in prayer. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for uh, the incredible privilege that we have to come before you, to come before your throne, to bow down to, to you in worship and in praise because you are so worthy of that worship and praise, Lord. I pray that as we enter into this message that you organize the thoughts in that you have put in my heart that you have put in my head that you that you bring forth your word from my mouth lord that it comes from a place of holiness that it comes from a place of humility and that you scratch out any word that is not from your from your spirit god i thank you for this incredible uh word that that you have given us in the book of romans and i pray today lord that that as we culminate this series that, that, we, that we work to answer some of those questions, that we work to, to wrap all of this up and bring it all to a close so that it nestles just perfectly in our heart, and that it also convicts us, that it calls us to those next steps in our faith that you would have us walk. Lord, we thank you for this day, and I just give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so last week we worked through that that amazing chapter eight of Romans, that honestly what so many people believe is the greatest chapter in all of Scripture is that chapter eight in Romans, and it's such a beautiful chapter. Um, but the, the amazing thing about Romans is, is it does start with that bad news. 
right? In order for us to know that there is good news, you have to have some bad news. And we saw that Paul, he really just walked us through this courtroom scene and, and he showed us that, that no matter how hard we try to be righteous, we don't have it in us in ourselves. No matter how guilty we are, we're all guilty of the same things. And, and yet, God chose to show mercy. He, he, chose, to, he chose to get down off of that, that judge's seat and embrace us as his own children. He, he paid for that justification, and then he adopted us as his sons and daughters. It's such an amazing thing, and, and therefore there is now no condemnation for those who trust in that, who believe in that. But, but there is a reality to the fact that we still walk around in our heads kind of condemned. We still walk around fighting the same battles as we did before we were set free. Why? I think a lot of it has to do with our mindset. A lot of it has to do with our philosophies of life. A lot of it has to do with the fact that, that no matter how hard we try to let go of the fact that, that the law is not over us anymore and there is a new law of love over us, that, but we just still can't quite let go of that law. It still is so ingrained in our nature that we still so easily go back to that. That's why I was saying, you know, the prison cell is open. The, the, the gates to the prison walls are open, but we choose not to walk through them. We choose not to leave. Uh, and that's, that's up here. And, and so I'm thankful that we get to come to a close in, in my mind, what is the the overarching purpose of Romans. You realize, as I had suggested before, Paul, he wasn't writing to, uh, to pagans. He wasn't writing to, uh, to Jews necessarily. He was writing to the church. He was writing to people who believed in Jesus Christ. Now granted, within that circle, there are all sorts of different understandings. There's all sorts of different experiences. And he's trying to set the record straight for the church. Okay? The book of Romans is it's not actually an evangelistic tool. It's, it's a discipleship tool. Uh, we, like to, we like to use the Bible to sometimes, I think, uh, beat people over the head with it and try to force the Bible down the throats of people who don't know Jesus. And, and I'll be quite honest with you, although the Word of God has the power to change hearts, has the power to, to reduce people to nothing so that God can put that Spirit of Christ into them, it has that power. But I think we try, we almost, in a way, remove that power when we try to force feed it down people's throats who don't believe in it anyway. That's why I always say we are using scripture to defend scripture to people who don't believe in scripture. It doesn't quite work very well. So I'm just saying when we when we go so far to one way and try to uh, 
try to like protect this thing so that people don't abuse it and misuse it, I think we chase people away from the love of Christ in the first place. However, so Paul was not trying to evangelize to people who didn't know Jesus. He was trying to exhort people who did know Jesus. He was trying to change mindsets. And it all kind of comes to a culmination in chapter 12, which we'll spend some time in here today. Now, picking up after chapter 8, we go through you know, chapter 9, and chapter 9 is like doctrine debate ground. It is doctrine battleground for, for those who believe in predestination and those who don't believe in predestination. And it kind of gets lost in the weeds. The, the main theme that he's trying to get across in chapter 9 for us is, is really just to put us in our place says, one of you will say to me that why does God still blame us? For, for who resists his will? But who are you, O oh man, to talk back to God? So what does form say to who, him who formed it? Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for noble and some pottery for common? What if God, choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath, prepared for destruction. What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for his glory? The thing that, the thing that strikes me in that is, is really just a build-up to, the, to the, what he says as he's moving towards this chapter 12, therefore, uh, and he speaks to these, these uh, Gentiles, us, this us, that um, were not his people. They were, they were outside of his people group, and yet he, he allowed the law to come in so, so that his people would not be obedient to it, not be faithful to it, so that it would make room for these engrafted branches Starting in chapter 11, verse 11, I'm going to read for just a minute. It says again, I ask, did, did the Israelites, he's speaking of the Israelites, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Because of the Israelite transgressions, because they were not faithful to the law, because they could not fulfill the law, because they showed us through their experience that no man, whoever you think you are, can earn this righteousness by your own merit. It does not res reside in you. It has to be put in you. You have to be removed from the old nature and put in this new nature. It says, did not they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. Well, that's interesting. Moving on to verse 13. I'm talking to you Gentiles. <laughs> Inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I make much of my ministry, meaning 
a lot of what I'm doing for the Gentile church, for the, the Gentile population, a lot of my ministry that's focused on the Gentiles themselves is so that the Israelites, my own people, it says, my own people to bring them to envy and somehow save some of them. For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? It says, if the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. If some of the branches have been broken off, he's talking about the Israelites, and you, though you were a wild olive shoot, meaning we were not even of God's people. <laughs> That's, you know, it, it kind of sets us in our place a little bit, right? Chapter 9 sets all people in their place. This is setting us specifically in our place. It says, though you, a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in that nourishing sap from the olive root. So don't boast over your branches. Don't boast over your holiness. Don't boast over your, how special you are and, and those around are not quite so special. No, God has had mercy on you. And I'll get to that here even more in a minute. Do not boast over those branches. If you do, consider this. You don't support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. That makes you feel special, doesn't it? Well, it does make you feel special, but it's not because of your merit. It's not because of what you brought to the table. It's because of what God is doing for you. He says, granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief of the Israelites. And you're grafted in because of faith. So don't be arrogant, but be afraid. That's, that's humbling, isn't it? That we should still be afraid. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Consider, therefore, the kindness and the sternness of God. Sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also could be cut off. And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will then be grafted in as well. For God is able to graft them in again. After all, if you were cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature, crazy, Right? Not worthy of God, not worthy to be in his presence, not holy unto yourself, not righteous by your works. If you were wild by nature, he's speaking of that old man we talked about last week, that sinful nature that doesn't produce good fruit. It's wild. He says, he says after all, if you were cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature and contrary to nature, were grafted into a cultivated whole, a cultivated olive tree, meaning a, a, an, an olive tree that is of the goodness of Christ, that it has been cultivated by the Spirit of Christ, by the Spirit of God, that it has that goodness flowing from its roots. He said, how much more readily will those 
the natural branches be grafted into their, old, their own olive tree. That's the beauty, is God is choosing not just to save the Gentiles, he's choosing to save all. He is, he is allowing th- those that will believe to come in. It says, it says here, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in, and so all will be saved. And so all will be saved. And then he goes on and he speaks to this beautiful doxology. He pulls from different psalms. He pulls from the Old Testament. He says, oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. For from him is your holiness. For through him is your holiness. And for to him is your holiness, your righteousness, your relationship with him. The fact that you do not deserve to be in his presence and he has had mercy upon mercy upon mercy upon mercy. You don't think that God, the God that we should still fear, you don't think that he loves us enough to have so much mercy, that his ways are so unsearchable, that we can't even know the depths of the riches of the goodness of God. And he says, I have a place for you. Do you want it? Do you want it? I asked you that question last week. Do you even want it? Because if you want it, it is yours for the taking. It is yours to pick up and run with. It is yours to to step into this goodness and mercy of God. And he gets to chapter 12. I believe with all of my heart this, this therefore I said last week that, that therefore is no condemnation. That is the therefore of all therefores. But, but this therefore, this is the one that he was pointing all the other 11 chapters of Romans to is chapter 12 because it switches from all that God did. And now he says, now here's what I have for you. Here is what I want for you. Here is the calling and the purpose that I am putting in your hands to walk with, to run with, to own yourself. You see, I have put holiness in you, but now it's your job to carry it out. I have put this righteousness in you, this righteousness that you couldn't do upon your own merit, and I'm saying now you have an obligation to walk it out. Therefore, Verse 1, chapter 12. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies 
as living sacrifices. What does that mean? Well, we know when you put a sacrifice on the altar and you sacrifice a bull or an ox or a lamb or a dove or many of the other animals that they would sacrifice to atone for their sin, those animals didn't have a choice. It was, it was done to them. We have a choice to put our lives on the altar. When you put an animal on the altar, that animal never got back up again. That animal didn't have to choose the next day after that to put himself back up on that altar. A living sacrifice puts himself on the altar or herself on the altar every day of the rest of their life. You offer yourself as a living sacrifice. You, by faith, you put yourself up there. One, one uh, thought that I've had, I recently heard a, a message, incredible message, um, that, I, that when, when Abraham took Isaac up to the altar, we kind of think that, that Isaac was this young child that, that you know, Abraham determined for him <laughs> that he was going to be sacrificed on that altar. But best estimates are that Isaac was 33 years old. Best estimates are that Isaac was well strong enough and old enough to understand what was happening when Abraham walked him up the hill and Isaac carried all of his own wood that he would be burned upon. Isaac could have very easily changed the outcome of that. But he chose to honor his father. He chose to honor his God. He chose to be that sacrifice. And although he didn't quite understand that he would be a, 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 a type of Christ, that, that he had no idea that he would step back off that altar because God would make another way, he knew exactly what was happening. We choose when, when we view in light of God's mercy, we understand what Jesus is asking us to. He, we understand what God the Father is asking us to is, to, is to lay our lives up on that altar willfully, understanding that we are, we are putting our old man down every time we put ourselves back up on that altar. Every day we put another part of our life back on that altar. The thing that, that maybe God has to reveal to you yet, maybe you know exactly what that is in this moment. What is it that he is calling you to put to death? Every day we walk up and we put our life on that altar but because we understand that it's in view of this mercy. It's in view of the fact that there is no life back in this world. There is no real life, this life, this abundant life that Christ has for us. It's not on this side of the cross. It's on that side of the cross and we have to put ourselves up there as living sacrifices. And it says holy and pleasing to God, which means we're not doing it out of anything but the fact of faith, which allows it to be holy and pleasing. 
says this is your spiritual act of worship. Well, there it is. That's it. That's the purpose, right? We have been given the opportunity to truly step in to worship our God, and he makes it possible. But we have a part to play, that we choose every day to live our lives not this way, but this way. Not according to this, but according to that, according not to the things that we can necessarily see in front of us, but, but the things that we see in eternity, which he leads on and says, he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Now, I just want to clarify something. This, this word pattern, it can be translated many different ways. Uh, it's considered mostly considered that in the original language that that pattern that word pattern would have meant uh to the age of this world which means that that we are we are not meant for space and time we're meant for eternity we are eternal spiritual beings which means that when we step up on that altar we're we're pointing our lives to eternity we're pointing our lives to to life beyond time we're not worried so much about time anymore we're not worried about the the patterns of this age god is actually trying to remove us from this age and put us and bring us into eternity that happens now that doesn't that doesn't happen someday when our hearts stop beating that happens now and we can experience that as well by faith now he says do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind here we go. This is what it is. This is that battleground that the enemy still can have that hold on. That accuser can still push us down into that mold and, and distract us with all of the different things of this world and keep us from focusing and putting our gaze to the Father, putting our gaze to the Son, putting our gaze to the work of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to play on those two words, conformed and transformed. Remember, we, we're talking about freedom here in this book. That, that there is such a liberty that comes with reading of Romans, that, that liberty that he is trying to set us free because he has set us free. So live in freedom. Don't live under the bondage of that, which means that word conformed, I think it's a very a very specifically chosen word. It's like to be pressed into a mold, meaning that, honestly, sometimes you think you, you make a lot of the choices you make in your life, but a lot of it is reacting to the work of this world. A lot of it is reaction to the work of, of the king of this world, the God of this world, the devil himself, the enemy that, that opposes us. He is working all things to our bad. He's working all things against us. Remember, God is working all things to our good for those who love him. The enemy is opposed to us. He is working all things against us. And so he is conforming us. He is working everything he can to 
to extend that age, to extend this age in our thinking, in our process, in our mindset, so that we continue to be slaves, so that we continue to be oppressed, so that we continue to be orphans, so that we continue to be prisoners of this world. That's what it is to be conformed. Oftentimes you look in, in the old ways of the prison, sometimes even in the new ways of the prison systems, they would, they would do everything they can to conform you to an image, to conform you to the likeness they want. That was their reparation. That was their, their um, uh, restoration is, is to conform you. There's no freedom in that. There's no freedom in being conformed to a pattern, especially a pattern of this world in this age Jesus is trying to pull us out of that age which is why why when we lay our life down in baptism we are dying to this age we're dying to this world we're laying that life down so that we can be born again into the the eternal life that Christ has for us that doesn't have time it doesn't have age it doesn't have the same conforming patterns that this world has in fact it has the antithesis of that it has transformation sometimes i i feel like if you were to just hold a cocoon forever that cocoon would eventually hatch and then you you almost have to release it i feel like that's what that transformation is it's it's that freedom that we have that God gives us to be transformed. He sets us free so that we can learn to walk in that freedom, to, to, to open our wings, to, to expand our life, to expand our mindset to the things of God that, that, that only he can reveal to us. We can't understand God if the only way we think of him is according to the patterns of the world. That's why religion has taken hold. That's why the, the, the enemy has taken hold of so many parts of the church, so many parts of our worship, so many parts of what we call holiness, and he's turned it into something that's ugly. But God says, no, I want you to be transformed so that you can let your mind be exposed to the ways of God so that you can be set free, so that you can learn to fly, so that you can learn to be, to be, to know what it is to actually have life and to have life more abundantly under the ways of Christ. But he says, he says in that mindset, right? Not according to the mindset that we would have in the patterns of this world or the age of this world, but according to this new life. He said, then you will be able to know exactly what God's will is for your life, his good and his, his pleasing and his perfect will, his accepting will. So we know that God's will is good, right? All all. Altogether, we know that his will is good, even if it doesn't seem good to us in the moment, even if it seems like, like it, it's painful or, or uh, we, something we're going to have to struggle through and persevere through, it's still good. That's what we have faith in is that God's will is good, but we have to accept that. That's why he says his good, 
and accepting and righteous will, as another translation would say, that accepting part, that's, that's the renewing of our mind as we get to a point where, where we're not just, you know, we're not just obedient because we want to be obedient, but we don't really like what God is doing. No, we will get to such a point in our freedom, in our, in our righteousness, in this new life, that even when things don't seem so good, they will be so beautiful to us because we know the intention of it. We know the end result of it. It is to, to rip out even more of that old man, to rip out even more of that, that old pattern of this world and lay it on the altar as a living sacrifice and then we would be in his perfect will. It's incredible. But all of this comes together, not just so that we can feel better, not just so that we can walk away saying, hey, yeah, God has mercy on me and, and I'm free. And man, thank you, Lord, this world is, is so beautiful for me. Everything is so perfect for me. And, and even when we're walking in the favor of God and everything just seems to be working right, it's not just for me. It's not just for you. It's because we have been given a mission to make that someone else's reality, to make it so that someone else can hear the truth. I, I go back to... Romans 10, actually, Lord is leading me to this right now. I've, I've spoken this before. Uh, I just got to find my place here. It says, um, as Scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. This is verse 13 of chapter 10. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Remember at the very beginning, we, we said there are too many people <laughs> and they claim their faith in Christ, which means they are most likely saved. That's not for me to judge, but they still bring the patterns of this world into the message of the gospel, and it doesn't seem to be such good news. But how beautiful are those that bring the good news that, that even those that have done the worst things in the world can still walk into this world can still set aside that world to live in the truth of Jesus Christ, to live in the life of Jesus Christ, to live by grace in Jesus Christ, which grace is, it includes so many things. It includes that mercy because we didn't deserve to be in his grace, but he chose to, to put us in his grace. It's also that empowerment. It is power, the power of God to walk out this love that he has put in, not just for my sake. In fact, uh, I can't find it right now, so I'm not going to spend the time looking for it, but it says, it says here, honor 
your neighbor more than yourself. It's kind of hard to do because we're really, really, really good at honoring ourselves. It's hard for me to honor that person who just spews hatred into the world. It's hard for me to honor that, that person who is so clearly living a sinful life according to the patterns of this world and yet claiming that hypocrisy that hypocritical life in Christ and they just can't let go of this. Like, like that's not for me to, to judge. That is between them and God. But I am called to bring them the good news of the freedom that they actually have the power and the grace to let go of that old life in order to walk in true life. You see, this is not for ourselves. We are to honor those that we don't agree with. We are to honor those that don't even like us, our enemies. Remember that, that one of our values of this church is that what enemy? You know, if we live this life out in Christ, people might not like us, but that doesn't mean that we have the right to dislike them. We are called to love them, which means that even if they think they're an enemy of ours, in my heart, it's settled. In my heart, Jesus died for them on the cross just as much as he died for me. In fact, now because I'm rooted and established in this love, in this new life, I can say that he died more for them than he did for me. It's what it is to honor my neighbor more than myself. You see, there is a purpose for all of this. It is to it is to bring an ingathering. It is to bring in God's beautiful bride. It is to prepare God's beautiful bride for a life of love, a life in the presence, a life of true worship, true worship that doesn't just involve singing a few songs on Sunday. True worship means that all of my life is God's. True worship means that all of the things that I want to do, they're first going to run through the filter of God's will. That means that, that my politics, as much as I want to believe they're right, they need to run through the filter of God's will. That means, that means my preservation and protection of myself and my family as much as I want to it needs to run through the the filter of God's will like I'm I'm putting everything of who I am I'm putting my identity who this who I think that I'm entitled to be I have to run that through the filter of God's will all of it becomes established in this Life of being a living sacrifice because it's in the light of this mercy of God that he made a place for me where there was no place. That's what it is to be that ingrafted branch. He made a place for me where there was no place. He made a place for you where there was no space. You were an orphan trying to fend for yourself in a world that will eat you alive. And God said, no. 
You are now my child. And I, I want all of you. And I want you to have all of me. But in order to do that, you have to lay this thing down completely. All of it. In order to pick up this new life. Not just so that we can feel better about ourselves. So that we can change the world. So that God can reconcile divisions. So that God can restore hearts so that God can transform lives from dead men walking to people that are walking and flying with the freedom of Christ. That's this book. That's this, that's this entire word of God. It's for you to know what real life is. Not just, not just on paper, not just because of a legal contract, but because experientially you can know Christ. You can know the Father. You can be led every moment of every day by the Spirit of God that lives within you. Do you understand the magnitude of that? Is so much more than I can fathom. I can't even put words to it. You can't even express it in your deepest thoughts, but it says the Holy Spirit in chapter 8, it says the Holy Spirit groans, groans prayers and intercedes for you at levels that you can't even hear or understand. That's how much mercy our God has. And it's all for you and me so that it can be all for them, so that we can work to take people from the patterns and the age of this world and get, let God do the work in their hearts to restore them and to set them free in the next. And that can be experienced in, in a moment and through a lifetime of giving our life over to God so that he can sanctify you, so that he can make you holy and righteous, not so that you can boast and say, look how holy I am, but so that you can say, in view of God's mercy, I want to live my life as a living sacrifice. I put my life on that altar today, and I'll put my life on that altar tomorrow and the next day until my heart stops beating. And I pray the same for you. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you, God. I pray that in this moment you will stir in people's hearts. I pray in this moment, God, that you will pierce our hearts with your truth. I pray in this moment that you will that you will allow your love to somehow get into our heads so that we can let go of ourselves, so that we can understand, Lord, that this is an experiential transaction just as much as it is a legal transaction, Lord. That we can live out this word that you have put in, that we can share this love that just flows from our hearts. 
And Lord, I pray for that person right now that is listening to this, that struggles with that, that struggles to let go of their politics and somehow exalts their political view over you or somehow ties you in with their politics, Lord. Those are not one and the same. Please do not let us even put them near in the same room as you. I pray in this moment for that person who, who ex- struggles to express love. I pray for that person that struggles to, to bring the, the life of the gospel, the good news of the gospel to their tongue. And they just want to defend this word with all they have and just beat people over the head with it. Lord, there is no love in that. There needs to be this perfect mixture of truth and grace, Lord. And I pray that, that you will show them that letting go of the patterns of worship of this world is just religion. And it's going to be empty. And it's just going to empower that, that same bitterness and, and emptiness that the world already does so such a good job of 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 passing on to people, Lord. It's just going to continue that. And I pray that they will be able to pass from that life to the next. Lord, I pray for that person who struggles with their identity. I pray with that, for that person that struggles in their addiction. I pray for that person that struggles to, to find value in themselves, Lord. And I just pray that they see these first 11 full chapters in view of your mercy that they are so valued that you would restore them to freedom, that you would give them the opportunity to be a minister of your grace, to be a mouthpiece of your good news. And may we all, Lord, take the good news of Jesus Christ to the edges of this earth, May we understand that we are not here unto ourselves. We are now here for the sake of every person that you died on the cross for that does not know you yet. We love you so much, Lord, and may we worship you with our whole hearts and love you with our whole hearts and love our neighbor as you have. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We just want you to know that you are now a part of our Found Church family. And you are always welcome at Found Church. We've been worshiping at the middle school at Parkside at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. And we cannot wait until we're able to meet back there again. We would also love to hear how God has touched your heart today. If you feel God speaking into your heart, in a fresh new way, or believe God to be revealing a new truth to you, or giving you a higher resolution in which to recognize Him, we would love to talk with you and pray with you. Just message us on Facebook or email us at areyoufound.com. And this is my prayer for you today, that this has raised a hope in your heart and helped you to find faith, find freedom, and find the love of God to be overwhelming and real. Be well. God bless.